today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. ourselves in the sin of this world, something crumbles on the inside and we lose a steadfast spirit. And when the storms come, we can collapse. We have to guard our hearts. And this morning I'm going to ask you, what passages of scripture, what word has God given you that have anchored your soul that you've not let go of? Hold on to it. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. When we sin, we do a pretty good job of convincing ourselves that one little sin won't hurt. But as Pastor Ed teaches in today's message, when we indulge in sin, something crumbles within our souls. Like King David, indulging in sin often leads us into further sin. We need to ask God for a steadfast spirit, one where we withstand temptation and cling to the Word of God. Pastor Ed suggests having passages of Scripture to help anchor your soul for when the storms of temptation come to throw you off course. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, Fatal Attraction. instructions in the book of Deuteronomy to future kings who would one day come on the scene. In Deuteronomy 17 verse 15, one of the things, there were three things that God said to the kings. One, don't amass a large army of horses. Don't pile up gold and silver. But he gave real clear counsel in verse 15. The king, the Lord your God, chooses must not take many wives, or his heart will be led astray. And in 2 Samuel 5.13, it says, David took more concubines and wives in Jerusalem, and more sons and daughters were born to him. David discarded what God said, and he just did what he wanted. He did what other kings did. He lived in a situation of polygamy. Today... Some people think that if they satisfy their sexual desires through various means, whatever it may be, it may be pornography, it may be television where things are not right that you're watching in or, or the internet or maybe in physical relationships with other people, that somehow that's going to satisfy and that's going to satiate your thirst for sexual intimacy. It doesn't. It only exaggerates it. It only creates a greater hunger. And in David's life, think about it. He had wives and concubines. So that night he wanted to have intimacy. He saw Bathsheba. He could have simply gone into his harem and had a relationship with one of his wives or one of his concubines. But he didn't. What happened? He ignored God's word and he created within himself an insatiable desire for sexual relationships. We live in a culture that's very, very difficult with sexual temptations. They say 50% of men, 25% of women battle with sexual temptations. It's just 
part of the culture everywhere you go. And we have to guard our hearts. And here, David failed to take the counsel of God's word. What word, what scripture has he given to you to be an anchor in your life, to keep you on track with him? What passages of scripture are you using in your life that will become like that guardrail so when you come to the turns in life, you won't go over the cleft? Or like that life preserver, when the storms of adversity come, will hold you up in that difficult situation. He ignored the word, but there was something else. The perils of success in God's work. Ignoring the word, but the perils of success in God's work. Think about David. He is now king. He's about 20 years into his reign. He's about 50 years old. David is king, has defeated all of his enemies. He is established in the nation. He is watching God bless in so many ways. He's in the house of God, and God says to him, David, your posterity will reign forever. In fact, Messiah will come through your seed, through your posterity. And he's overwhelmed with gratitude. He says, oh, thank you, God. Who am I? And what is my house that you should bless me like this? So David's overwhelmed. David is loyal to his friends. Jonathan, he remembers Mephibosheth. David won't retaliate with his enemies, a former house of Saul. But right now, he crumbles. I think there was something else. The success. You know what happens when we are successful? We're tempted to think too highly of ourselves. We're tempted to think too much about ourselves. We begin to play God. David is in Jerusalem, sitting on a throne... And what does he see? He sees Bathsheba, and he says, I'm going to take her. Uriah stands in the way. I'm going to kill him. He plays God. He casts aside God's law, and he becomes a law unto himself. Sometimes power, position, possessions, make a person feel that they're exempt and above God's law. And God himself. And they begin to play God. And so we have to guard ourselves when God grants us success and victory because we can be more vulnerable at that time. We have to be closer to God. And so I believe some of the circumstances in David's life were one, David wound up experiencing great success. David forgot God's word. And in the midst of that, he lost his way. Now, David did something else. He broke down the constraints, the barriers that God set up. In Psalm 139, he says, Lord, you've hemmed me in. Well, David found a way around, over or under. God often tries to keep us. But unless we're careful, we can overstep the constraints that God puts. In 2 Samuel 11, 2 to 3, it says, One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, 
Isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? David could have stopped when he saw Bathsheba. It was a thought. He lingered. And then it became a word. He began to talk about it. And then it became a deed. It was a downward spiral. David, at this moment in his life, is hearing God's voice through his servant. God speaking to David. When the servant says, isn't this Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Don't you know that Eliam, he's one of your mighty men. He's a warrior. And Uriah, he's one of the mighty men. He's loyal to you, David. And remember, Ahithophel is related to them. He's your chief counselor. David is another man's wife. Another man's wife. But all of a sudden, that seems so distant. Doesn't matter. The restraints are pushed aside, pushed away. Had David fought this battle like he had fought the battle when he was a young man, he wouldn't have been conquered. David didn't see a giant, but he saw God. Now David doesn't see God. He sees just Bathsheba, a beautiful woman. I want to read to you the words of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who comments on the desires that we have When they're out of control. He said, at this moment, God is quite unreal to us. He loses all reality, and the only desire for the creature is real. The only reality is the devil. Satan does not here fill us with hatred of God, but with forgetfulness of God. The lust thus aroused envelops the mind and the will of man in deepest darkness. The powers of clear discrimination and of decision are taken from us. Suddenly, he can't think clearly. If you can't contemplate the ending, don't consummate the beginning. Think about it, David. You commit adultery, think what's going to happen. David, you're going to have to try and cover it up. You're going to have to try and murder. You are going to murder. You're going to have to play the part of a hypocrite. David, it's going to cost you trouble in your family for the rest of your life. David, here's the price of that few moments of pleasure that's so fleeting. When we're tempted by the enemy... We simply forget about God. If we could bring God back in the picture and keep him ever before us, the tempter's power will be lessened. The consequences. We've looked at the conditions that surrounded him, the conditions of the fact that he had experienced success and that power and and he forgot That he wasn't God. He began to play God. He he forgot the word that God had planted, had given him. He had just discarded what God said in the word. And we think about the constraints. That servant who says, don't do this, David. Not quite so blatantly, but just, David, that's Bathsheba's 
She's the wife of Uriah. Look at the consequences now. The consequences of a fatal attraction. Verse 4. David sent messengers to get her. She came to him and slept with her. She had purified herself from her uncleanness. Then she went back home. Now, that insertion in the text is an indication that she was trying to be ritualistically right. She was practicing religion. She was trying to. That's why I feel like she was overwhelmed by this powerful man, David the king. Now, what are the consequences? Guys, ladies, husbands and wives, do you remember when you had children? And your wife came in and said, pregnant? Man, so exciting. I remember when we were going to have our first, how excited we were. We were going to have a child. And then when we were going to have our second, Melissa. It was so exciting. <laughs> pregnant, wow. But when that sets, and you don't have it in the bonds of a marital commitment and relationship, that can bring a lot of fear and anxiety It did in David's life. How do you think Bathsheba felt? Pregnant. Her husband's out to war. He's not around. David. How did David feel? There's a consequence to sin. Then, not only an unwanted pregnancy, but there's an unsuccessful cover-up. David, he comes up with a plan. He knows that Uriah's out on the field fighting. And so what he's going to do is send a word to his general, General Joab. He says, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent, Joab sent Uriah to David. So Uriah gets back and he says, hey, Uriah, how's it going on the battlefield? I want an update. And Uriah probably felt, why are they having me here? Why are they talking to me? And so I'm just an ordinary soldier. And so he's going on with the conversation and they're talking and he said, well, listen, you go back and have some R&R, see your wife, spend some time with her. Well, the next day comes and Uriah never goes. He's sleeping at David's doorstep, guarding the king. Because he's a military person with a high sense of integrity. And he's not going to violate that sense of integrity that he has to protect the king. And, And so here, Uriah comes and meets with David. And David said, well, why didn't you go? And Uriah says, well, I can't do that because my comrades are fighting at the front. Joab is fighting and leading and the ark of the Lord is in a tent and I just I I can't do that now David at that moment should have felt the smarting of conviction have you ever been around somebody and you know you're not exactly walking right with the Lord and they are righteous and their ethics and values and walk with God convicts you have you okay at that moment you have a choice Let it break you. Let it humble you. What if David would have said, Uriah, I messed it up. I really, really did the wrong thing. I committed adultery with your wife. I, she's pregnant. I I sinned against you, Uriah. I sinned against the nation. What if David would have said that? Would have stopped. But David didn't. 
What David does is he said, you know, I'm going to get Uriah drunk. And he'll forget his commitment. So he gets Uriah drunk. Put up the next verse and you'll see the text. David invited him to dinner. He wines and dines him. He gets him drunk. But even then, he couldn't get Uriah to go home to his wife. Now, remember, she's beautiful. You know, she's no dog. She's beautiful. <laughs> and there he is. And he, he, a drunk Uriah has more ethics than the king sitting on the throne. Has higher principles than David, the king of the nation. He's more loyal to David than David is to him. So David comes up with another plan. What David winds up doing, the cover-up doesn't work, but now you see the multiplication of sin. The multiplication, an unexpected multiplication of sin. What David does is the next morning, David writes a letter to Joab. He seals it with the king's seal. He closes the letter. He gives it to who? Uriah. And he says, Uriah, go deliver this letter to Joab. And it's Uriah's death warrant. The letter reads, station Uriah on the front lines. And when the battle is the fiercest, then pull back. So he would be killed. Wonder what would have happened if Uriah opened that letter. There, Uriah delivers it to Joab. Joab isn't the most scrupulous of people. And what he does is he sends the men to the front lines, but he doesn't want it to look suspicious. And so he allows some other men, good men, loyal to David, loyal to Israel, loyal to Joab, to stay at the front. And he pulls back the rest of the army, and they're all killed. We're talking about Not one person, but numerous men that are killed to cover up David's sin. Sin has a way of carrying with it other sins. Do you ever watch along the Hudson River when they have the trains and they're pulling all the carts behind them? And it seems like that'll never end. I mean, it just seems like it's going on forever and ever, and you're waiting. That's the way sin is. It brings along with it other sins. You wind up lying. You wind up betraying. You wind up murdering. You wind up living for like a hypocrite. That's what David is going to do. He's going to act as if nothing is wrong. So Bathsheba goes back. She hears her husband is killed in battle, and so she's mourning. It's a period of seven days, and David calls her to be his wife. Wow. Didn't we say David was a man after God's own heart? Not here. Our strength is our relationship with God. Take any man, take any woman, and take them out of the presence of God. And they are possible of committing the greatest of all atrocities and sins. Noah preaching righteousness for 100 years. Judgment is coming. A flood is going to take and judge the earth. Flood comes. Judgment comes. What happens? He goes on a binge drinking. And he's a drunkard. Lying naked in his tent. Moses meets with God and 
receives the Ten Commandments, and yet anger was always a problem in Moses' life. He kills an Egyptian, and anger strikes a rock rather than listening to God and what God said. David, as he moves away from God, frightens us. He kills a loyal soldier, he who had been so loyal to friends. In 2 Samuel eleven twenty-seven, it reads, The thing David had done displeased the Lord. The thing David had done displeased the Lord. The tropical storm, Agatha, was sweeping across Guatemala. As a result, a 330-foot sinkhole just developed. The ground beneath it just collapsed. A three-story building, land, telephone, poles, all were pulled into it. A person was pulled into it 330 feet deep. Well, how did that happen? Well, the rock underneath that slowly eroded. And that's what happens with a sinkhole. It's been happening imperceptibly, but happening steadily. And for David's life, there was a deterioration on the inside. And when he saw that woman, Bathsheba, he gave into temptation and he fell. He goes and plays the game for a whole year. And then God speaks to him through Nathan the prophet. And then he writes these words. Words found in Psalm 51. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Wow. Create in me a pure heart, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. What happens is when we indulge ourselves in the sin of this world, something crumbles on the inside and we lose a steadfast spirit. And when the storms come, we can collapse. We have to guard our hearts. And this morning I'm going to ask you, what passages of Scripture, what word has God given you that have anchored your soul that you've not let go of? Hold on to it. Are we still where we were when we were struggling? And the storms were beating down on us. And think about those times of closeness and distance. God could look over David's life. And you know what it is? It's that fly in the ointment. That's why when you ask somebody on the street, well, what do you remember about David? Oh, Goliath and Bathsheba. We tend to remember what people have done wrong. That's a human quality that we have. But God saw off and makes that comment of like in 1 Kings 15.5. He did everything right except in that area. God remembers so much of the good because the evil is washed in the blood. And this morning, I don't know where you are in the journey. I don't know what you've been doing, where you've been, but God can restore you. He can help you. He can pick you up. And like David... You make that confession like Gordon McDonald. God can use 
the things in your life that weren't right, and he could use them for good. The more we learn of David's story, the more we see how God can use an imperfect person to do incredible things. God can and wants to use you too. Did you know that God has a special and exciting plan for your life? He has designed you to fit that plan exactly and will give you the strength you need for every task. All you need to do is seek Him for guidance and lean on Him for your source of power. Pastor Ed will continue teaching about the life of David on the next edition of Building in Faith. But you can find more messages right now by visiting our radio website, buildinginfaithradio.com. Be sure to visit our church homepage as well by clicking on Back to the Homepage. There, you'll be greeted by a daily scripture and some exciting events coming up for us here at Faith Assembly. We know how important finding a church home is to the Christian walk. And if you've not yet found that for your own life, why not join us? We'd be honored to meet you and share a time of worship and Bible study with you. We gather together each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and again on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Location information and directions are on our website. That address again is buildinginfaithradio.com. As our time with you comes to a close, we'd like to say thank you for joining us today. We pray your day is blessed by God and that you continue to seek Him in your personal journey of faith. Pastor Ed will have more to share from the Word of God on the next edition of Building in Faith. Your word